1: what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging buffalo brought to you by thin man brewery as always i'm brendan and i'm taylor In taylor we have lots to talk about today our last episode before the all-star break upl being named rookie of the month for january plus a tweet of ours that sparked a bit of conversation among sabers twitter but to start off The Sabres are facing off against the Carolina Hurricanes on Wednesday. We are recording this episode prior to the game. We actually are going to Thin Man Brewery tonight to watch the game together, as a matter of fact. Again, they're facing off against the Hurricanes. Easily a top three team in the NHL this season, I think we could say pretty safely. And they have been rolling as of late. They recently got Freddie Anderson back, who has been looking sharp for them since his return. I believe he's won five straight starts and their scoring prowess is there unfortunately they lost max patch ready for the rest of the year but they are more than making up for it through the rest of their lineup and so this is going to be a really good test for the sabers after this of course they're going to get a nice break here guys are going to be able to recuperate a bit get charged up and ready to go for this latter stretch of the NHL season. But Taylor, obviously, as folks are going to be listening to this, the game will have come and gone. But what are you looking for out of the Sabres in this game against the Hurricanes? So I feel like standings-wise,
0: getting a point against the Hurricanes is great, but it would be deeply unsatisfying if that's the way the game actually played out because the way it works in the NHL is if you get a point, that means you pretty easily could have gotten two points and it's better than zero. Obviously it's better than them getting destroyed, but you know, like you mentioned, Carolina really is a great team. They're probably the second best team in the East. uh, And especially now that they're healthy, but yeah, I'd like to beat the hurricanes in my opinion, that would be cool. And I know that that's not to say you have to beat the hurricanes or uh, their playoff pushes in peril. If they don't beat the hurricanes or anything like that, just that I don't really like the hurricanes and I don't think there's anyone really that Sabres should look at and be like, Oh, we can't beat them tonight. or We probably won't at this point. So yeah, beyond that, uh, are we, I think we're getting a UPL game tonight, aren't we?
1: Yes, we are. Yes. UPL will be starting this last game against the hurricanes before the all-star break. And to your point too, I will say, I agree. One, I also hate the hurricanes and would love nothing more than to see the Sabres pick up a point, but I think that that gives them an incredible amount of momentum going into the all-star break here, as we've seen before in years past where maybe the Sabres were in an okay position in January, a pretty good one within striking distance. That was of course the case with the Eichel Sabres a few years back, but you have a break and they come back and they look flat and the season falls apart after that. This is a very different situation. This is a very different team. And I think if nothing else, It gives guys a chance, like I said before, to just recuperate a little bit after this. And for some of those guys that may be nursing injuries, uh, you know, minor injuries, we should say, it gives them a little bit of time to just rest up from whatever they're banged up from and come back ready to go out of this all-star break here. But yes, we are getting a UPL game tonight, which again, as I had mentioned also at the top of the episode, UPL was named NHL's Rookie of the Month. Your thoughts, Taylor? Taylor. Well, he certainly was a rookie and he did have a month. It was
0: uh it's weird to me to think of UPL as a rookie, but I mean I guess he is. It's just that he's been thought of for so long and goalies are weird that they're in and out. Like for example, Logan Thompson is a rookie of the year, uh, he's really high in rookie of the year odds. Like he played a lot last year for a guy right. that's a rookie, but the rules are such as they are. Good for UPL. This past month was really good. He definitely has rebounded from a slow start to the year and it's kind of what we hoped for. He'd start to look like a pretty at least capable NHL goaltender if he just consistently was getting starts. Now, I don't know. I, I guess I'll never know why he, while getting consistent starts in the AHL, never really looked like all that great of an AHL goaltender. I guess some things aren't meant to be understood. But, yeah, it's great. It's very nice to hear. Like I was, like we said before, I think, like, the MVP of the month was Cousins. But it, the shortlist, UPL is on the shortlist, especially because how important it is to the Sabres that they actually have a goaltender they can semi-rely on. So let's hope Fingers crossed that this doesn't sound stupid when people are listening to it tomorrow. Of course, well, and in the month, and we June... also will have a, a lot of time to talk about this because uh, we're going to have two full podcasts with no games.
1: Yeah, so lots to talk about in that time. UPL, though, for the record, everybody in January posted a six-two-and-one record and a nine-zero-seven save percentage, which as Above we've been saying. Yeah, right. That's what I exactly what I was going to say. We don't need anybody light in the world on fire and goal. I mean, yeah, sure. Would it be nice to have Connor Hollybuck or UC Soros or Ilya Sorokin? Sure, it would. But, like, with where this team is now from an offensive perspective, average goaltending can take them a pretty long way. And that's what they're getting from UPL. That's what they really need. They just need somebody who is going to just be average. Keep them above water. Keep them afloat in games. Keep them in the middle of games here because – More often than not, barring, you know, the occasional shitty game that they go out there and play, they're able to outscore teams and they are playing right now with a confidence that totally lines up with what you said before, Taylor, about them going into pretty much every game being like, it does not matter who we are playing against, we can win this game. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to come out of the gate tonight, to be honest. That's really what I'm looking forward to seeing the most is how they're going to look in the first period. You know, we've seen this team be able to overcome deficits. It's been a little bit frustrating at times because they'll take a lead and then they give up the lead, but then they end up coming back and it's just this roller coaster. But I want to see them come out really strong here, get an early lead in this game, and then protect that lead against, again, one of the league's most elite teams.
0: 100%. Yeah, this is going to be a nice test. All uh, right.
1: Anything now, else you want to add? some other
0: things on our mind. About this game, no, because people, people already know. Yeah, at this point that are listening, they know what happened, probably. So we should get to some of the other things that are on our mind.
1: We should. Should First, what did you want
0: to talk about first?
1: Do we want to talk about the tweet?
0: Yes. All right. You believe it, folks? Nate McMurray is running for
1: county executive. (laughs) You can cut that. I don't want that (laughs) one. No, that's staying in the episode. Uh... Sorry, that was actually 10 tweets. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. Well, so for those of you who do not yeah. follow me, I'm on Twitter at Brendan or 14. And yesterday I had posted a tweet just saying I'm all about Timo Meyer, but admittedly my heart is elsewhere. And I posted a GIF of Sam Reinhardt, put some bullet points next to that for the reasoning. He's going to be a little bit cheaper to acquire. You'll save a couple million bucks on an eventual extension. He would also like Timo Meyer look sick next to dylan cousins and jack quinn he could play center when needed which is a nice flexibility to have even though it seems like for the foreseeable future we're kind of set up in the one two three spots down the middle with tage cousins and krebs and he loves the goat head which you got to just add that in for good measure because he was constantly wearing goat head hats and goat head shit and never got the opportunity to wear it so that part aside there's other reasons for this too it's it's more than just a nostalgia thing for for the full context also, I should add that it went like mini Sabre Twitter viral and picked up a little bit of steam. It had a lot of reactions to it. There were a lot of replies. The the depths of Sabre's reply, guys, were firmly in my mentions. And here's the thing. People can look at that and say, Reinhardt, that's a nostalgia move wanting to bring him back. You Florida- It's not even has- nostalgia. You just like him. We're not nostalgic for that era at all. Right. Um, exactly like I just I like the player a lot but even beyond that saying things like oh he was a part of the bad culture here which I'll get to this but like okay what what's the excuse for Gergensen's Oppozo Dahlin all the other like the guys who have been here through that Olofsson who were experiencing like the depths of all this Casey stat. but here's my my reasoning for bringing this up too because there was just so much there was actually a good mix of like people who were really all about it. And then there were also a lot of people who were blowing back at it for a lot of those reasons. Here's my rationale here. Timo Meyer, all reports are kind of have been leaning towards New Jersey being very interested in him. New Jersey has the cap space to be able to make a move. They have the assets to be able to make a move like that as well. And it just feels like the moves from their front office last off season have been kind of building towards them making a bigger move like this. Even the, the the year before that with them bringing in Dougie Hamilton as well, like they are trying to win. They got off to a great start this year. They are trying to make it happen. Am I saying that I wouldn't want the Sabres to continue to go after Meyer if that's a possibility? Absolutely not, because I do want them to do that. So to get into this a little bit further here, Florida does not have its next three first-round draft picks, Taylor, and it only has four picks in the first 3 rounds of the next 3 drafts. Can I ask what the hell happened to Florida's 2025 draft pick? That one went in the Matthew Kachuk trade. Oh, whoa,
0: whoa, wait, wait, hold on. That makes a lot of sense, but I I never thought that was uh the case. That's interesting. No, I'm just sorry to get bogged down, but yeah, no, that no, makes no. more sense that you give up Huberto uh
1: Huberto Weaver and a first for Kachuk. And then there was like mid round picks exchange. I think Florida got like a third or a fourth back as well. <sighs> hmm. Anyways, though, to continue it's on,
0: somewhere near a fair trade, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's
1: yeah. The uh, Huberto is both those off teams a suck now.
0: You. What's that? They both those teams suck now. I mean, there you go. Well, their windows closed.
1: It's so both interesting. Of both of them. But,
0: but what you tweeted though about Florida is really interesting because they're in it right now because they're they're not in the playoffs. They're behind the Sabers. They're functionally, if you look at points percentage, they're like tenth or eleventh in the East. And if they go on a big run, their reward is they face Boston or Carolina. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if that's our big reward, that's year one for them. This is like they're in win now mode and that's a long shot. They're a longer long shot than us, or at the very least it's close. If you consider your strength of schedule and stuff, they're in a, they're in a bad spot. They're, they're paying guys a ton of money. They they don't, they're not young. They have no picks.
1: Yikes. And... They're
0: they're paying a goalie a billion dollars for a few more years.
1: Who's not really all that good anymore. And so- well, and to add more to their their worries that they are going to have after next season, especially, also in 23-24, Florida is going to have to give out new contracts for Brandon Montour. He's been really really solid for them, especially in the times when Eric Aronack Bled's been out. He's been able to fill in admirably. Gustav Forsling. So that's like your two and three defensemen right there, because of course Weger being gone, so you're probably going to want to retain those guys. Anton Lindell is going to be out of his his initial entry-level contract. He's going to end up probably getting a longer deal, too. Anthony Duclair is also up at the end of that season. Bye-bye. And Luo Luo Sterinen, who has proved to be a really nice bottom six piece for them as well, who is also going to be coming out of his entry-level deal. So where does that leave Reinhardt? Does that mean automatically that Reinhardt's going to be the one to go? Absolutely not. They could maybe look for for some cost savings elsewhere, or maybe they want to prioritize Reinhardt. He's currently making $6.5 I would probably think if he gets renewed, it maybe goes up a little bit, but I don't necessarily know how much. I certainly don't think it would be... At the level of what Meyer is eventually going to end up getting is, you know, of course, his his qualifying offer is 10 million. And what people are saying are, you know, eight by nine potentially for him for a deal. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But the fact of the matter is, is that Florida is in a pretty tough cap crunch right now and is going to be in a really, really tough spot at the end of next year. They have virtually no draft picks coming up or anything of real value. Like I said, four picks in the first three rounds of the next three drafts. Which is just insane that they've gone all in and have just burned picks, Ben Chariot trade. I will forever be just totally perplexed by that. With some of the stuff with people saying about Reinhardt, there's been a lot of revisionist history and just it's either that or people just fundamentally not realizing what actually had happened there. A lot of the responses that I had gotten to that tweet were things of the nature of Adams has said he wants guys who wants to be here and Reinhardt didn't want to be here. He was a cancer in the locker room, just as bad as Jack, this and that. And all of this stuff is just like provably false. Okay, let's talk about the first point here, Taylor, which is him not wanting to be here. Reinhardt, second overall pick, out of his entry-level contract. What the Sabres did is completely mishandle Sam Reinhart from the start. They gave him a pair of bridge deals, and I think everybody in their right mind can agree, with hindsight now obviously in the rearview mirror, that they absolutely should have given him a long-term deal coming out of his ELC. They should have given him a long-term deal coming out of the, the first bridge deal that they gave him. They did not do either. This is a guy that proved that he belonged as being a centerpiece of this team, of being a cornerstone of this team, not the guy, they had Jack, but like being a really good two, three, four piece in the mix. And they- uh, The ideal second in- line center, theoretically. Right, right. And they did not commit to him. If Even if it was the case where he did want out at the time, you have an organization that refused to make a long-term commitment to you, an organization that has been just- Filled with turnover when it comes to coaches in the front office. There is a ton of drama and bad stuff that was coming out about ownership. Okay. And there was no success. They were just bad. They did not reach expectations. It felt like every year they were trying to like go for it and they just never did enough. And we're setting up the guys on the roster for failure. Even if he did want out, can you blame a guy in that scenario beyond that? People saying that he wanted out is factually not true, and we know this from his own words. And Saber's embedded. Kevin Adams yep. gets a phone call from him after the trade goes down, and he calls Adams. He goes out of his way to call Adams, and I think we can all agree, Eichel probably wasn't doing that. I doubt and was. <laughs> goes out of his way to call him to say hey, you know, I just want you to know I'm really sorry that we couldn't get the job done while I was here, but I believe in what you're doing. I believe in Granado as a coach, and I really wish you guys all the best, and I wish I could have been a part of the success here. Does that sound like a guy that's just, like, itching to run out the door? No, it's
0: it's completely different than Eichel and O'Reilly, and frankly, even Kane to me.
1: Right, and the last thing I'll say, too, for all of these people saying that he was a locker room cancer and that him and Jack, I'm sorry, but, like, a guy who is – a detriment to the locker room does not go out of their way to do that. Yeah. So to
0: me, I think a lot of this stuff is undelible. Uh It's like we've talked, I've said that about other things in the past too, but like, this is something that's very hard to glean one way or the other. I think sometimes it's obvious someone like Oposo, uh, if you get voted captain and it's obvious people in the locker room like you, uh, if there's no word either way in your team's good, then you can kind of assume the person's at least fine when the team's bad and there's, there's not really rumors, but like there's always – there's weird things. I mean I don't – there's some certain people in the media. I don't really care either way what they think. I think sometimes someone being pissy in an interview to them translates to uh, to uh someone being bad in the locker room, which I don't agree with. However – 100%. Um, with Reinhardt, there's a couple interesting things I think. One, to me – he was worth a bridge. Be- well, I, n- maybe not at the time. I don't know where I stood at the time, but in 2018, if you look back with clear eyes for your GM, we said this before. It's the same thing I said about Dalene in 2021. going to pat myself on the back. I was correct. He's going to cost way more money now. Anyway, if you tried to give Reinhard an eight-year deal, I think he would have taken it in 2018 yep. if it was like eight by six because – Who knows? He was his career is really in flux by the like the first half of his 2017-18 season was a disaster and he really picked it up in the second half. But I don't know how much hockey has really bet on themselves a lot. It's Mm -hmm. not a common thing. Guys take the money when they can. Guys are taking the money right now. Guys like Matt Barzell are taking the money right now, knowing full well the salary cap is going way up right There's not even like Tage Thompson type situations, like established guys, guys always take the money and they like to stay where they are. Even Eichel took the money to stay where, I mean, he has to be traded later, but I think Reinhardt hundred percent would have, especially because he seemed to get along with Eichel at that point. And he, considering they were trading O'Reilly and they'd already traded Kane, he was going to become more of a guy. seems to make sense. They give him a bridge deal. And I think the second they give him the bridge deal, that was the first step to him leaving. Uh, to what you said though, I don't know how much they Or I should say, I don't know if they weren't trying to commit long-term by the summer of 2020. That would have been when the bridge deal was up. I think by that point, they were way more interested in making commitment. At that point, Reinhardt, and probably more so his agent, was like, if you take one more bridge here this one year, like at that point, you're going to get paid regardless. Now he knows. He's had two and a half good seasons in a row. If you take uh, one year here in arbitration or however they got it done, For the 2020, 2021 season, they're going to have to either sign you long-term or trade you next summer. There's no way around it. And Mm -hmm. the way things were going, I think at that point, he was probably like, yeah, probably smart to take the one year and then figure it out next year. And by the time that happened... Now you're in the summer of 2021. The Sabres are fully rebuilding, and it doesn't really make sense for either side to do it. So I agree they're mismanaged because in 2018, Botchell should have known better. It was his guy. He's there. Not his guy. Obviously, Murray drafted him. but It's a guy on his team. He's there watching him every day. He's He knows exactly what he is and who he is. And if the percentages weren't going his way for the first half of the year, he should have known Reinhardt's talent and character and all that and should have given him uh, a long-term deal then. He didn't, obviously. But to what you said, that none of that screams, I want out of here. I don't want to be here. And when Kevin Adams talked about guys who want to be here first guys who don't, I think, I forgot the first time he said that, but he definitely mentioned it uh, around Eichel a lot, but Eichel was explicitly saying, trade me. I don't want to be here. Uh, And that, that didn't, uh, obviously there's a lot to that goes into that with his neck and all that, but with Reinhardt, it's not the, it's not like that really. And you can tell Adams doesn't seem to be too fond of Jack Eichel, even if he tried to hide it well. And he, I, I don't know about the wrist line thing. I think he just took a good deal there. But if you look specifically at Reinhardt, Saber's Embedded, he was like delighted when Reinhardt called him. He was like, so like, he was like giddy of,
1: when he was talking to Terry about it.
0: Yeah. He was kind of like, almost like he was so surprised it happened. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what to compare it to like the uh, regular feeling you would get. Like it's not, it's not really your boss calling. It's kind of the opposite of that, but just like giving an unexpected compliment, like, Oh, look at that. Look at what someone said about me. Like, I I to me it seemed like he didn't have any problem with Reinhardt and he took a good deal when he could get it. It wasn't an ideal situation that he walked into. But yeah, so that to me, I don't really buy that, but I don't know how interested Reinhardt is in coming back. And I don't know I guess it's another unknown. Does Reinhardt want to come here? Slash does Kevin Adams is he interested in Reinhardt specifically? Right. To me, when I look at this, what's available, there will be other guys available. Only one team is trading for Timo Meyer. But I would like that one t- team to be the Sabers because to me he's the best player available period right now via trade. I think I'd rather have him than Chekrin, even with the the our relative like
1: lack of depth on defense. And I think Timo Meyer is better than Reinhardt. Yeah, I mean I don't disagree with that, but I I think that when it comes to to Reinhardt or Meyer or Chekran, any of these guys that we're saying we'd like, it's the same thing with how you and I were like all about them going after PLD. We're not talking about this from like the practicality standpoint of it. We're talking about it from the standpoint of a guy that fits with the roster that we think would be a good fit. Do I think that Kevin Adams is going to be trying to make a move or that he, he should make a move for Reinhardt at the deadline or something like that? No, that's not what I'm saying, but Reinhardt, is a guy that I do think fits. And I think that there are benefits to trading for him. I agree with you that I think Meyer is the better player, but I will also say though, I had like a couple of people in my mentions yesterday saying that it was like a drastic difference between Reinhardt and Meyer. And I don't necessarily see it that way. Do I think Meyer is the better player? Yes. If you were going to tell me that I could have for free Timo Meyer or Sam Reinhardt, I would pick Meyer. But, again, that's not the the fact of the matter here. Like, we got to take the context into the situation. People are also going to probably want to say, and as a couple people did, and I corrected them, oh, well, Reinhardt was playing with Florida last year on a loaded team. Of course he's going to produce. Taylor, did you know that Sam Reinhardt played double the minutes with Anton Lindell than he did with Alexander Barkov last year? At five on five, let me pull that up. Where did I have that link? I just had it up before. At five on five, Reinhardt played... 380 minutes with Anton Lindell and with Barkov he played about 140. Hmm. He was mostly playing in a third line role on the wing. He was getting power play one minutes, which is obviously we could take that into account too. Florida's power play is really good, was really good last year, but also you would be inserting into your lineup, a guy who also produces on the power play. In addition to five on five, beyond that we have seen his defensive play improve more and more throughout these past few years his last couple of years with the Sabres and then into this past year here too so the move that we're trying to make here is for a guy who would be like a middle six winger and in the case of Meyer or Reinhardt for that matter on the second line Reinhardt has shown though he could play on the third line with lesser guys and be able to put up ridiculously good numbers so then people are bringing up oh well he's a slow skater which has been the case with him for his entire career where people bring that up and there's of course yeah, some validity so is, like pat Kane, so. right so is ryan o'reilly there's validity to that but it's totally lacking the context of the things that he does that allows him to be a successful nhl player yes he is not the best skater but you know what he is taylor he's an elite passer he has elite vision there are few players i have ever seen jack eichel included Few players in the way of Reinhardt where he makes ridiculous passes just look so effortless and so easy. Also, another thing that this team needs to, yeah, he's not Alex Tuck. Like I feel like people have been saying, oh, we need like another Tuck on the team. 100%. That would obviously be great. But do we also have anybody who is as good of a net front presence as Reinhardt is? We have to also remember, I know we all do. It's a very top of mind thing here. Am I okay with giving Timo nine $9 million over eight years or whatever? Yeah, I would because you're getting what you pay for there. But if you could get a little bit less but similar production from Reinhardt and save a couple million dollars as you are approaching Darlene Cousins power extensions coming up, a couple years it'll be Quinn – Again, that these are things that need to be taken into consideration. The Sabres have the luxury of being able to go after Big Fish right now because they have the cap space to make all of that work. Should it be a guy like Meyer or, you know, eventually Checkrin, if they were to make a move for him, if they want to go after, like, I think one of my preferred plans potentially is like a guy like Severson in free agency this year, because if, especially if they get Meyer, there's no way they're going to be able to retain Severson. So it it just, it feels like people are just being, willfully ignorant about some of this stuff and the only other thing i want to say too is what are caught co- like what it would look like for bringing him back in terms of what we would have to give up obviously it would probably be like a step down from what you would have to give up for somebody like meyer but the the suggestion i had gave i had initially mentioned ostland or rosen and i don't think that you would need to include either one of them in a deal but if you were to tell me that we could have Reinhardt for a protected 2024 first, not 2023. I don't think they should trade that unless they are getting like a big, big fish protected 2024 first in Vegas is second this year. And then like middle stat or like a roster player. I'm doing that in not looking back. Okay. And then the last thing that I also want to bring up with regard to this too is In terms of what you would be giving up for a guy like Reinhardt, like I know before I just said, protected 24 first, Vegas second. That's essentially what you had gotten him for in the first place. Like I know we're saying like Devin Levi, but if you're a team that did not have a high-end goalie prospect and were told that you could have a Devin Levi or an Askarov or a Wallstead for a second round, a late second round pick, I I would probably think that most people would do that. So comparable trades also. We just saw Bo Bo Horvat go for a first-round pick for Bolivier and for Atu Rati, who was a second-round pick last year. Another one that's coming to mind right now that came to mind in thinking about this was Kevin Fiala. Kevin Fiala goes for a first-round pick and Brock Faber who was a second round pick taken uh the year prior who was a very highly touted prospect when he was traded especially with like the tie in with him being at Minnesota and then going to Minnesota in the trade of course so Horvat right now is in the midst of a career season he's shooting 20% he's going to smash his career high in goals but the Islanders I think everybody would agree it was a Pretty puzzling move. I really did not like that move for that. I didn't really like the trade in general. I want to just say also, it didn't feel like it was a right fit. I don't really know. I mean, getting a first for Horvat is great, but I just it just doesn't really make sense. It it doesn't make sense more for the Islanders than it does for Vancouver. But I digress. But you have that in Horvat with that move, and again, it's a guy that they they paid that for a guy that's having an outlier shooting season right now. Is Bo, Bo Horvat a fine NHL player? Yeah, of course. But that's what you're paying for right now. That is what is leading to his production being what it is, his goal scoring being what it is. He's going to totally settle back in, whether, it, he, whether it's from him getting into the New York Islanders' style of play and offense or just like looking ahead to next season. like That is going to eventually even out. Fiala. Fiala is a bit of a different player than Reinhardt, but again, it's another guy that is a top six play-driving winger. In the same vein of what reinhardt is so again that's why i'm kind of like if it's a protected 2024 first and vegas is second that's not something that i'm necessarily worried about losing because you still have so many other assets that you can use if you wanted to go the trade route for getting your check or another guy to be a top four, you, you know, your top four piece that you're picking up for next year or Thatcher your Demko got connected to the Sabres again. And that's an, a possibility stu- still too, if they want to try and upgrade in goal, you know, to just give Devin Levi the amount of time for whatever he needs for, uh, for cooking in Rochester. So what are your thoughts on that, Taylor? I mean, like, do you feel like in terms of, again, like some of the the arguments that were people were making, do you, do you think that they hold any weight? Like, do you disagree with what I was saying there? And as far as like that cost goes, is that something that you are interested in, should that be the cost?
0: Yeah, I guess you do the protection uh, on that type of deal because you never know. But I'm not too worried about having a top 10 pick in 2024. However do you want to give up, like, let's say, a late first for Reinhardt? I think kind of, yeah, because you would do that at the deadline anyway for a player of Reinhardt's caliber. You would do a first and second, so why not do it for a full season with the real opportunity to resign? But I should say that I really don't think this is happening.
1: No, of <laughs> uh, course. Reinhardt
0: coming back in general. It's real theoretical, but, yeah, I'd i like to, you know, obviously want to settle. I'm always interested in settling the past and, like, you know, not, not reinventing history on the fly years later, but – so I'm I'm down for all that, but I really don't – I don't think it's happening. I, I can't just really think of another example, honestly, of someone who left uh, was kind of a bad situation and then came back.
1: Well, and that's exactly my point that I made before about practicality versus just ideas for things. So I think this kind of leads into the overarching point here, Taylor, and let me know if you agree with this or not. It doesn't have to be at the trade deadline. In fact, I'll be honest, in the context of all of this, whether it's Meyer or or whoever, I mean, Meyer, obviously considering his contract is going to be up, but like I am pretty firmly in the middle of the make a move at the deadline, wait until the offseason. I think that there, I don't know if there's necessarily a wrong answer to it because I think that there's benefits to doing both that are very different from one another. But overall, my point, and this kind of leads into where the discussion is going to go, this is a a conversation that we've been kind of having here and there and and in different ways. The Sabres cannot go into next season without making a major upgrade to the blue line and a decently significant upgrade to the forward group. I would say so. With that being said, to get good players... To get good young players, you have to be willing to give up young assets. it has been it had been suggested on the Reinhardt tweet. other people have mentioned it as well and, and the reluctance being there and and I understand that. do I think that the Sabres should trade Yuri Coolidge? No, do I think they should trade Matt Savoy? No, do I want to see them trade Noah Osland or Rosine? Not necessarily no because I do believe in both of those players and think that they could eventually end up being good. however. As we talked about last episode, the rebuild is over, baby. The Sabres, maybe not. at the, We'll see how the rest of this year goes. But next year, the window opens wide up. So between Savoy, Coolidge, Ostlin, Rosine, the 2023 first that we're about to have, and something that's totally been left out of the conversation, I think, too, we have Philly second this year as well. Which is going to be yep. at the at, at the beginning of the second round, which is a val- a very valuable piece. There's no way that all of these guys will be able to suit up for the Sabers, given who is ahead of them right now. We talked about this recently. Top two lines, even if there's going to be movement or whatever, Paterka moves that whatever. Six forwards right there. Peyton Krebs, seven forwards. We'll see what they th- what they end up thinking with Olafson and Middlestat. I know you and I both are of the belief that are leaning towards moving on from them. That gives you two spots, though, in your top nine. Presumably, you're going to want to have one of Coolidge or Savoy there next year. In a ridiculous scenario, maybe both make the team out of camp, but I think that there's like a 1% chance of that happening. I think it's very unlikely the way that things stand now. I don't think that they move Savoy or Coolidge unless it is something that is spectacular, blows them out of the water, and they're able to get somebody that, like, we don't even think is is a possibility right now. Like, it's a huge move. But Oslin and Rosine, I think, can be on the table. It feels like it makes a lot of sense to use a couple of guys like that, first round equivalent pieces, to be able to go out and get a guy who's 24, 25, 26, 27 in that range and make a move for somebody that can insert into this lineup and help this team make the playoffs next year unequivocally, because that is the bar next year is playoffs or bust for this team. And you're probably going into next season, going to be looking at two to three years before Osland touches the ice. He's going to have another year in Sweden next year. Then after that, you're probably going to want him to have a transitional year where he plays in Rochester. Maybe it takes two years potentially, We're talking about three years down the road then potentially. And yes, it will suck if he, I mean, maybe it'll suck if he ends up becoming a a great player. Somebody in my comments had had mentioned that his equivalent is Sebastian Ajo, but like, but you don't know if he's going to become that. You don't know what Rosine is going to become. You have to give up good pieces to be able to acquire good pieces The Sabres are in a good place right now, no doubt about it. But they're in such a good place right now with the guys who are currently on the roster. The window is creeping open now, and next year it will be firmly open. What are your thoughts, Taylor? I mean, Rosine? Uh, Ostland, like, are, are these guys that you just don't want to move, or do you feel the same way? Where it's like, if a young you guy are is insane, on the- if you think that Rosine and Osland
0: are unmovable, thank you, insane, insanity. I think, like, I think I want to hold on to Savoy and Coolidge. I don't think of them as 100% unmovable, but I don't think there's a realistic trade at the moment that would make them movable. But yeah, like, you, you have to. Think about things that way when you're talking about someone like Timo Meyer, like that's their best case scenario. I would move both those guys in the right trade form. Like I wouldn't move both those guys into first, obviously, but both those guys in the mid round pick for Timo Meyer done tomorrow. By that, I mean, Rosine and Otsland. Yeah. Like Otsland. Yeah. Like those guys are mid-level prospects. You know what you, anyone out there who's kind of down even say Otsland is a higher level
1: prospect.
0: You could even say that he's a good one, but like, he's a, he's a good prospect. Yeah. Like, Go back and look at any, any ranking. Let's say Corey Proman, He has these rankings all the time. Scott Wheeler's done a more recently at the athletic. Go back and look at five years ago. Look at the top teams like the Sabres are now and their prospect pool. go look at their pool and see who has like a 40% hit rate or a 30% hit rate. Yep. Almost all those best teams. When you're like a bad, when you have a bad prospect pool, let's say like the Islanders right now, that means that probably no one's making the NHL, not in any real serious good way. You're going to have a very small amount of those guys make it like, okay. For example, Rosine and Osland are better prospects than like, let's say Justin Bailey was right. Expectations are probably too high for him, but look at the level at which guys like that fail. Look at the middle of any draft, the middle of a first round of any draft. There are guys that are pretty good. There are guys that don't make the NHL at all. And then there's superstars. If you really, really, as an organization, feel strongly about someone, then don't do it. Like, don't do do not be the team that gives up Philip Forsberg. Don't be like Washington. But I think the guy they feel that strongly about that wasn't like a top 10 or whatever pick is Coolidge. You have to consolidate in some way anyway.
1: Yes. Would it be great to be able to see what Oslin's development path turns into? 100%. It would be amazing. And if he ends up being great, that's awesome. But we don't know. And if you can use him as an asset to then get a guy that you bring in on the blue line that makes Owen Power better, because Owen Power's success is going to be way more impactful than, than Noah Ostlin's success, then you have to do that. You make moves for guys, like bring even if it is Ostlin for Meyer. Sure, we'll see what Ostlin ends up becoming, but that is a move that makes Dylan Cousins better. That's a move that makes Jack Quinn better. That's a move that makes the power play better. Even if you're shuffling the lines, that makes the middle six better. Then it makes your third line better because then you're going to be having Paterka move down to there. You're not trading Tage. You're not trading Tuck. You're not going to trade Cousins, Quinn, Paterka. You're not trading Daleen or Samuelson or Power. Like Your core is there. The core is, I'm not going to say finalized, but like your core pieces are in place and they are going to talk to, they're going to continue to be in place for at least the next like five years, at least. Yeah. And, and that's
0: five years is a good example. And that's why you have to, I think, hop on good opportunities, smart ones, not panicky or desperate ones, because like, I tried to say last episode, windows are short. The example I want to use, I think uh, there's, there's, Two bad examples right now that Sabres fans should really not pay attention to because they're outliers, which is Crosby and Ovechkin. Uh, the Capitals have done a good job in general of putting guys around Ovechkin and Backstrom. Backstrom is a Hall of Famer too. Uh, so they basically have two distinct eras. The Penguins, I don't think, are a good team to pay attention to, aside from the fact that they've done a better job than literally anyone at just rolling guys through with the classic Mark Donk and Buzz Fiblet <laughs> type guys. Yes. In addition to that, they have like two guys that. I mean, they're both MVPs. Like, Crosby doesn't – I don't think Crosby is a serious GOAT argument, but Crosby is, like, a top 10 forward ever. And Melkin, oh, although yeah. he's been too injured near the end of his career, when he's at his peak, he's as good as anyone we've seen. Like, a 2011 Melkin, incredible. So, like, they're a bad example. You know who's a good example of a team that was bad, got a top pick, built quickly, won championships, and then you saw what happens when you have to pay guys and they start to get near 30? Chicago, who is a good organization – in terms of putting guys on the ice in the past. And, and at that that a that terrible, <laughs> despicable organization in most other ways. But think about it this way. They get guys like uh, Keith and Seabrook, which for our purposes would be like guys like Darlene, guys that were around for kind of the end of the bad years. There's other, other examples like Tage, someone like that. They don't have anyone like Tage, but you know what I mean? Guys that are kind of, once the younger guys get there, they're already a little bit established. And they get Taze, third overall in 06, and then 07, they get Pat Kane first overall. And they're, they basically, they're rookies together, because Taze, I believe, went back to juniors uh, for his, what would have been his rookie year. So they're rookies together. I believe Pat Kane won the Calder. Taze was very good. The team was more interesting, but not very good, which is what you could compare last year to. And then they were very aggressive the next two years. And uh, in 09, which is only Pat Kane's second year, and Kane and Taze's second year in the NHL, they made the conference final. And the year after that, they won the Stanley Cup. But here's the, here's the other side of that. Yeah, they had the weird cap crunch. I don't think the Sabres have something. They, they went a little probably too crazy. The Sabres won't have something similar to that. But what they did have is a second wave of guys that show up in in the 2012-13 era because 11 and 12, they lose in the first rounds. Another thing that can happen. It's uh, especially in 2012 for them. They lost to the Coyotes. Like, that's tough. Sometimes you lose that series. But, like, 2013, best team in the league all the way through. President's Trophy winner wins the Stanley Cup. 2014, losing Game 7 of the Conference Final. 2015, they win the Cup. Now, they really haven't won a real playoff series since then. Kane and Taze are still there. It's been eight years. They haven't won a real playoff series. They won a fake series in 2020. But yeah, so, okay, you you would tell me they were just as good in 2016. They lost in seven in the first round. True. But after that, it's like 2017, they got destroyed in the first round. 18 and 19, they missed the playoffs. 20, like I said, they were the 12 seed in the fake playoffs and won in the bubble, whatever. They lost in the real first round then. We'll call that what it is. And then look, a year after that. They're terrible, despite making trying to to salvage that era this year. They're super terrible. That happens. That's how it can can happen quickly. You have to take advantage. You can't just uh, have all your guys, all your young guys, and be like, hey, let's see how this works out. Because a lot of Sabres fans are going to have PTSD from Tim Murray. But Tim Murray didn't screw up the big moves that much. (laughs) I think Kane was a little bit overrated, not a great guy to bring in. And I think Robin Leonard, there was a lot there. But the O'Reilly trade was such a home run for us. The first time we did it and we traded him away, obvious disaster. But what really went wrong in the Timber era for the five thousand time is everything else. He looked at it like I'm just gonna hit these home runs and that's all I have to do with the roster. I'm gonna draft some giant guys, blah blah blah, this other stuff. A lot of stupid things he did, uh, bring in Hudson fashing. And, and Nick DeLaurier and like guys like that, like trading away quality pieces. He did a million things wrong. They didn't lose. They didn't screw up the rebuild on, on that really. And right. I think they also, you know, if the, if you want to say anything, Sabres fans were too confident in their prospects last time. Yeah. They get a lot of time to Carrier, to Bailey, to Baptiste, all were, these
1: guys. The point that we always make too confident in prospects that are of way less stature and regard than the ones that are currently in the system right now absolutely let's also just acknowledge this is the other thing that i think keeps getting left out of this conversation when it comes to moving ostland or rosine for this bigger package we'll see if the sabers end up making the playoffs right now what do you think the odds are that they make it like 50 50 probably less fair. no less okay like so, 25 75 i'm sorry say, i don't think money puck takes strength of schedule into consideration all right that t- keeping that in mind whatever say they don't make the playoffs okay and even if they do they're going to be going up against Boston in the first round it's going to be a first round exit most likely but if they don't make it you're probably looking at a pick barring some crazy lottery luck where they do like the 10 slot jump or whatever like 12 13 14 range for this first round pick given how deep this draft is there's a very good chance that whoever they end up taking is going to be better than or Rosine, or which is going to be a whole nother asset coming into the fold. And then again, that's why I'm okay with them. Like if it comes down to it again, I don't mean to like hammer on this, but like if it comes down to it and worst comes to worst, not even worse comes to worst because it would be a good thing. If they don't have any of the three second round picks because they're using them in deals to get guys who can help the team right now, that's fine. They have so many guys in the system right now who are both, High end, high level, very promising, and also guys who are going to take some time to cook a little bit. Oliver Nadu, Josh Bloom, the Russians, they're all still a few years out and will be ready to hit around the time that you will probably need some of these guys who slot into their bottom six and, and are very serviceable for them. You have those guys in your system too, in addition to the high end pieces. They absolutely, it's not even a matter of like wanting to move these guys. They need to be like ready to do that because you can't go into next year with all of these expectations with what the team has in front of them right now, what they have shown that they are capable of and and run it back again. So before we get to anything else, let's
0: hear a word from our sponsor, starting with DraftKings. Hoops fans, it's time to bring your NBA action to the palm of your hands with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place an 8-game – sorry. or a same game parlay on any NBA game and if it doesn't hit you'll get a free bet back. So this is where I'm supposed to talk about an NBA game I'm supposed like I'm interested in. I feel like someone who I would be interested in betting on is LeBron when he faces the Bucks on TNT coming up. Uh, given that a lot of eyes are on him with the scoring record and everything, he just got the fourth all-time in assists. Uh, he guy loves the camera. So I think that's going to be Huge game for him. I don't know. I assume I'm not the only one on that, but you know, take a look at it. Anyway, download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet five dollars on the NBA and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio because LeBron doesn't play there anymore. And see show notes for details and responsible gambling resources.
1: Is our boy Ray J next? I believe he is. Oh, well, for those of you who maybe missed our last episode, you know, Ray J got back on the Sabres hype train. He was riding with us early on in the year. Then, you know, we had a little bit of a a dust up in our friendship with him, Uh, but he came crawling back. He believes in American Lemieux. So let's hear hear a little bit about Raycon headphones, Taylor. All right. So, folks. This
0: time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes. I don't know if they still are. It's February, but look, if you're if you're trying to get anything done, if you're trying to be a better person, a healthier person, go to the gym, do the dishes, go on a walk, be mindful, all those things, maybe you've probably given up on some of that by now. Nah. Maybe you haven't. But if you don't want to give up on those things, the smallest change in your routine can make a big impact if you want to. If you want to keep up on your resolution. So in that same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change. If It's something you use every day, like Raycons. Raycons is a premium audio. All right. (laughs) Raycons is premium audio at the perfect price point. So you can build great habits without breaking the bank. So like for me, I like to listen to music and podcasts when I do the dishes or go to the gym. Those are two good things to do, I think. Two good habits. Uh, I should do more of it, and I should probably go to the gym before I miss, like, two or three days in a row, and I should do the dishes before they pile up, but I don't, and then I have to do things for longer, like a long-dishes session, and I get to uh, listen to Raycons that whole time. And, uh, you know, when I do that, I listen to a lot of good podcasts, maybe even on the Charging Buffalo and Hockey Podcast Network, so they check those out. Anyway, whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycons got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands, so you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. That's crazy, but you know what? It's a good idea because it's easy to lose earbuds. We all know that. Even if you know you love the Raycons as much as I I love mine, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy-now-pay-later options, and every purchase has an easy and free guarantee return. And they come with uh, such features as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, they're water and sweat resistant, and the everyday earbuds come with eight hours of playtime, where the speakers come with 11 hours of playtime. So... Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, folks. And uh, our next sponsor, Thin Man Brewery, where I'm about to be headed in a few minutes after this podcast is over. Uh, a yeah. couple couple things going on with them. Actually, some pretty big news. The Elmwood location. So, if you don't know, folks, El, uh, Thin Man Brewery has two locations one on Elmwood in Buffalo, one on Chandler Street in Buffalo. On Elmwood, they're doing big renovations. So, for the last few months, they've been hard at work behind the scenes planning some big changes to the tap room. Uh, they're pretty excited about these changes, and uh, they can't wait to keep everyone updated in the progress. We don't need, we know some a little bit behind-the-scenes stuff that we can't share, but there's going to be some exciting changes coming, uh, which means that they'll be actually closed from February 13th to February 26th. So in that time period, if you're looking to you get any beer, you have to go to the Chandler Street location, which not too far away, still pretty conveniently located in the city. And then one other piece of news to look forward to, more beer from Thin Man. What's the big deal? They have new beer all the time. Well, here's the big deal, pal. Their first ever six-pack of 12-ounce cans is coming soon. And what kind of beer is it, Brendan? Tell me. No one knows. Oh, good. We don't know what beer it is yet. What you can see on their – if you look on their Instagram post and what, what you might hear if you ask is the beer is yet to be announced. So it says hashtag hazy IPA on Instagram. Very interesting folks. Interesting. Very interesting. A, uh, a 12, 12 ounce can six pack a thin man in this economy. What a world. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So folks, mm-hmm. uh, head to thin man at some point in the next 12 days before they close or the Chandler street location. You can head there anytime, I guess, because they're not closing for renovations. So thin man brewery, drink the beer. That's their that's their motto. Then man, brewery drink the beer. Oh, I think their other motto is uh, "Tage is American Lemieux." So
1: yes, that is. There was
0: actually another motto. thing I was supposed to say. Hold on, I have it written down. You talk about I'm the, the say, renovation. Yeah, the yeah, renovation? No, I'm supposed to say, uh, I was told by our liaison, <laughs> liaison, Jesus. I believe he said that. Tage is a combination of Mario Lemieux and Vakala Verada, but let me look at what I wrote down to make sure that's Good right because that God. sounds insane.
1: That is a sentence that I don't think has ever been uttered before in the history. You said of that Tage is a combination. Tage is not just American Lemieux; he's a combination of Mike
0: Madonna and Vakala Verada.
1: Yeah, again, that's another combination that I do not think has ever been expressed before in the American dialect. Or anybody. It? I don't think yeah. that, I don't think those that comparable has ever come out of somebody's mouth to compare a player to Mike Madano and Vaclav Varada And yeah, Mario Lemieux. All in one. Wow. Yeah. The Holy wow. Trinity.
0: What a guy. Well, anyway, folks, next time you hear from us, we're gonna be well, I guess we'll probably talk a little about this Carolina game. We we'll yeah. talk about the stupid all star game not letting down in. And we're gonna I'm gonna have I don't know if Brendan wants to do this, I'm gonna have a format to fix the all-star game, and it's super simple. Let's go your
1: own format. All right. I, feel like. I might just sit uh, back and, and listen uh, to yours.
0: Also talk about TV uh, ratings news uh, and how nobody knows how to read a tweet.
1: They are down, down, Folks. down. Yeah, that, that as well. Lots to talk about on Monday's episode, everybody. So make sure you're tuning in. Yeah. All right. Well, Taylor, I will see you in like 20 minutes at Thin Man, man. Looking forward to it. All right. Everyone All right. Else. See you later. We'll talk to you on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you are also checking out all of our fellow shows across both networks. And make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this pod on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you could also find us, Straight Up Sabers, Straight Sabers on, it, on Twitter, and Again, wherever you're listening now, make sure you also are subscribed or following us and leave us a nice little rating or review as we would very, very much appreciate it. Last but not least, check out our wonderful, wonderful sponsors who we love very much. First of all, of course, we have DraftKings. Use that promo code THP on at checkout to take advantage of great deals. Raycon headphones, again, same way. Take advantage, pick up your pair. You will not regret it. High, high, high quality headphones that we swear by. And of course, last but not least, finn man where taylor and i will be very shortly to watch the game very much looking forward to that but make sure you're checking out both locations while the elm one one is closed for renovations make your way over to the chandler street one it's going to be a great time anytime you go through there so again everybody we will be back with a brand new episode on monday thanks so much for tuning in this is Ben, straight up sabers